The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the second volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40K's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Ryan Laplante and players Tom McGee as Interrogator Nero Abagnale, Laura Elizabeth as Piper Fairley, Tyler Hewitt as Seth Corbin, and Del Borovic as Sister Olien Mina. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band have awoken from their hypnocasts and received orders from their Inquisitor. Tasked with discovering which of four candidates for governor is a sleeper agent of Fabius Bile, they have disguised themselves as Prometheum merchants and made their way to the capital. How will they identify their target and carry out this assassination? Find out next in this episode of The Valentine Heresy. From the Inquisition's History of Fabius Bile, audio recordings. Pragmatism must be balanced by sentiment and ruthlessness by mercy. But mercy has its limits. You, the Inquisitorial Band, step down the back uh, entrance hallway thing. That thing that lowers down and touches the ground. A ramp. There we go. See? (laughs) Words. You step down the ramp of the Angel of Retribution, your inquisitorial disguised gun cutter, and into the shipyards of the Dominum Dominion Omnium Protohive. Uh, around you, you see a small number of other shuttles nearby, far enough away that obviously you're not going to deal with them and they can offload and load on as possible. Larger bulk haulers uh, behind you. And in front of you, there is a small Adeptus Administratum uh, servile. I, I would use the term flunky, perhaps. Uh, mm. She's She's got dark skin. She's got a shaved head. Red robes. Red robes are pretty standard through most systems, unless they have their own belief of what color servants of the Imperium should be wearing. So that stands well within it. Uh, her fingertips are stained with black ink, almost to the knuckle on both hands. However, you see as she's handling a stylus and other things that no ink is coming off onto anything. You know there are some worlds where the ink stains are considered of ceremonial importance, so this is probably something that the administratum on this world do. I think you're all savvy enough imperially that that would kind of stand to you. She has a number of servitors there, and there's a ground car behind her approaching like somewhere between a limo and a truck. When you look at it and you look at the vehicles that are kind of picking up passengers from the other shuttles that you can see in the nearby distance, there are some that are approaching a full limousine kind of staff officer ground car. And there are some that are clearly like dump trucks or dump haulers. This one appears to be right in the middle. Again, you're all imperially savvy. 
they probably don't know how useful you are. So they're putting you right in the middle of what kind of car shows up so that they can upgrade or downgrade based on that. Uh, she looks up and says, hello, I'm Danai Flux, Deptus Mercantile. I'm excited to have you here. You're from the Clean Energy Collective, I see. Let's get them loaded. Let's get them loaded. Uh, you just see servitors rolling out of the back of your shuttle down the ramp behind you and servitors from her side coming up. They're all that same bulk hauler. Yours have physical legs and are tromping awkwardly, which technically is a higher level system, even though it's a lower level delivery. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you would have calculated to use the most expensive kind of high grade servitors to make yourself seem important. Hers are all treaded and just kind of have arms that are permanent, like permanently at a 90 degree angle. So stuff can just be set on them and they have to actually tilt at the waist to drop things into the back of the vehicle. So there's a lot of like, burr, 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 and it's just binary conversation between these servitors who may be arguing based on the tone, but none of you uh. speak binaric, can't, so you don't know what's going on. However, quickly, a lot of your, your stuff is being loaded in and put away. I feel like you would have chosen a selection of costumes that you could use if you wanted to be kind of day-to-day wear, if you wanted to be criminals. A light stock, but we'll just say enough that you can theoretically say, I would like to disguise myself as this, and it's theoretically possible. Uh, and Dan, I said, so uh, we've already organized some places for you in our VIP housing. It's inside the spire, inside the spire. I think you're going to be big fans. Uh, please, please step inside, step inside. And she opens the door to the side of this conveyance uh, and you're all ushered in. I'm imagining you go. I don't know if you'd say anything. Um, I know for Seth's part, um, if things are going smoothly, he's fine to just carry on. The less work he has to do, the better. Yeah, I think Nero would take his cues from Seth. So if Seth isn't doing anything, then similarly, just kind of small, small waves, you know, like, very good, very good, thank you, and uh, in I go. Yeah, Piper will probably nod imperiously. <laughs> yeah, Warden will just follow up. I feel like Warden is the I don't interact unless I have to character, so feel free, uh, Laura, to pitch when he would do things, but otherwise okay. think of as very much stoic, over the shoulder, no reaction. Yeah, yeah. And Olian is definitely not saying anything in the cloak. She's just a huge shape of a person, especially next to Warden. It's like they they look like two bouncers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Denai puts you inside. You have that awkward moment where you're all just sitting inside the space. They, there are benches around you. The, you think of it more as the inside of the kind of a back of a truck kind of vibe, only it's fully walled in. There are windows along the sides. There are benches. They are padded, but it's cheap plastic, kind of like that wrapper that you, you know your grandmother would put on a couch she doesn't want anyone to spill on. It yep. feels like this has been adapted to be slightly more comfortable than it might otherwise have been. Uh, and you have that weird moment where you're all sitting looking at each other while she's clearly outside arguing with servitors and then just like loading suitcases and stuff in the back. And then you, she comes around and re-enters into the truck and kind of taps the, the little divider between where you're sitting and the driver and the truck pulls away. You clear it. The shipyard's pretty easily. She's having to deal with leaning out the door and kind of showing paperwork to allow you through the massive gate that leads into the proto-hive proper. It seems like this is a pretty secure place. You're seeing soldiers around. Clearly, they're prepared for unrest or at least prepared for defense. You're not surprised with the value of the system to have these kind of Prometheum reserves and the ability to deal with those. This is not a low-value target. It would still be a stretch for someone to get here, theoretically, in terms of an invading force, but you all know... <laughs> 
Joys of the Imperium, theoretically possible for there to be a splinter fleet behind. So it's good for you to see this. Clearly, there is some capable leadership on this world. Uh, when you're through the wall, through the gate, uh, you start heading through the, the city proper. You can see Denai points out the window on the one side. It says, ah, you can see here we have our planetary defense force bastion. Each of our spokes has one central focus that lets people, I don't know, try to live near what they think is important. This is the planetary defense. And she points and you see a building that, unlike the surrounding buildings, which are probably around three to four stories, but clearly built to be built on top of, the planetary defense bastion is almost 16 stories. It just towers wow. above everything else. But you can see there are actually entrance doors that match the ones near the bottom as you pass close by it. About every four stories, as mm -hmm. though they're prepared for the new ground level to be moving to another higher position further up the building. Right. Uh, is, that, is that normal in building hives to be preparing for that kind of growth this early on? No. The assumption, okay. I think, based on general population would be hives just sort of happen. But apparently with the rate of growth in this system, they're aware that they're going to be dumping the population here in the next couple of years, the same way gotcha. that they had fled from... Um, Escalon through to Geminella, that population is shifted to Falsherfrieden, and eventually that will be shifting here. It seems like they have to deal with a more accelerated version of kind of imperial existence. They've cool. kind of embraced it in that annoying tech startup way of like everything needs to 10x next year. So <laughs> this is, you know, there's no failure, even though you all know that there's a really hard cliff that they should know they're going to hit. They're just currently ignoring it. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, then you're traveling down the streets. If you're looking out the windows, Denai is just doing a little bit of kind of giving you the culture and it all kind of washes over you in that way of, I didn't ask for this from the person bringing <laughs> me to my hotel, but that's fine. Looking <laughs> at, you can see the population. It seems like at least in this area, they're pretty well off. They seem to be pretty well-funded, well-organized. There's a small PDF presence. You're seeing a couple of enforcers, but not so many that you would expect this to be a heavily criminal segment, at least the PDF one of the ring. Uh, also, you are seeing a few street gangs. You'd actually be surprised if you didn't, knowing that it's a hive society. The term used for what you're seeing here might be a better class of criminal. They're not kind of <laughs> shoving random strangers on the streets, but they are clearly kind of armed and looking shifty. Kind of like the mafia versus a street gang, at least in this in this kind of stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you all notice as Dan, I just kind of lightly starts throwing off, you know, facts and facts and then shifts. And it's like, all right, so I understand that you're you're the clean energy collective and you're looking to shift vast amounts of Prometheum. Uh, what for? How much are you going to need? We'd love to be able to assist with the tools that we have. And we'd love to know the kind of supply that you're looking for. I speak on behalf of my master here and he like gestures over to, to Nero. I'll like wave distractedly while staring yeah. out the window. Yeah, yeah, Seth. Uh, uh, when I say we have buyers lined up for everything you've got, we are brokers, madam. We, have, we do not represent one interest. We represent multiple, a multitude of interests across the Imperium. Wonderful, wonderful. We love bulk orders here. Uh, one of the questions I have to ask, though, then, is how do we negotiate a total bulk order if you have a number of smaller combines that you'll be dealing with? Is this going to be one larger contract, a uh, number of smaller contracts? Are you going to handle your own shipping? Is that something you want with us? I mean, we have great partners, but what do you need? Uh, and, and Seth will look over to Nero and say, they have partnerships, so we may not need to utilize our own shipping. 
Um, I'll uh, just do that that classic not paying attention hmm? uh, and say, uh, oh, um, yeah, that's that's great. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, listen, are we getting close to the hotel or I just I, I could really, you know, use a use a shower and a shave if that's in the cards. So, yeah, great. You, you want to you got your own shipping. Fantastic. That's that's great. My associate here is more than capable of of making these decisions, though. So if you just stop bothering me with this minutia, that would that would be most excellent. Uh, you know, I, I brought I brought some expensive friends here, right? So let's then I'll just uh, like give a quick glance to Seth in a please continue to cover. I have no idea what to say in these situations, and then kind of like <laughs> lean longingly out the window as though my high school crush is out there, and I I you know. <laughs> Seth, uh, in his character that he's put together for this mission, uh, turns back, appearing to have been, like, grievously wounded by that comment and just, (laughs) like, clutches this woman on the shoulders, like, how quickly until we can reach our accommodations? Uh, She's just going to reach back and knock three times on the divider again, and you all feel the car pick up speed. Like, clearly (laughs) that was the gunnet, and you're heading towards... (laughs) Uh, the spire in the distance, and she's like, "I'm so sorry. I, I I was trying to address these questions to you. I didn't know we were going to get you in trouble." Um, yes, we do have a partnership. If if you're looking for war zone shipments, uh, we have the rogue trader Nero Skull Shield has his ship, the Draco Valens. It's a galaxy class attack freighter. It's from uh, ages past, heavily armed two full Imperial Guard regiments in it. If you need something dropped in a war zone, we have the ship that can get it there for you. Otherwise, we can get things elsewhere. But back to my questions, I mean, I I hate to ask this, but I clearly have, you know, my own employers who really don't like when I show up with no information about trade partners. Uh, is this just going to be a bulk order? Uh, what what are your are your major clients? Like, let's say if you had your top three, what, do you, what top three clients do you have? It is a, it is going to be a bulk order and we will disperse it as agreed upon with our partners. And I'll basically produce this contract that I've whipped up uh, with some fake like like holding names and stuff like that um, uh, and and uh, present it to her. <clears throat> Fabulous. Her to, uh, to review. Do you, ha- I guess this would be because you made it. So this probably falls under skullduggery if we're, we're saying Seth is might say but we can also like play around with however we want so forgery kit says it's a plus two boost to skullduggery to forge or duplicate duplicate perfect yeah that i I would agree so let's say it'll be a skullduggery check then um i'm gonna say that this one will be hard because i think she does see a lot of contracts she's not like a contract lawyer i don't think she has a ton of knowledge about outside shipping but just she'd know what's boilerplate and what wouldn't be hard is three or four three so it's three three difficulty for a hard check Um, You've got your boost from your forgery kit. Uh, I'm going to give you an additional boost because you would have had Abacus help you with this, and Mm -hmm. Abacus had additional time to look at the system requirements so he could kind of point out some other shipping lane stuff. Um, His brain has been pretty, like, altered as well with additional kind of machine cores, so his memory is just incredibly vast for whatever information has kind of been thrown at him. Um, Is there anything else any of you would want to add to this role or anything you would pitch? I'm going to use a story point just because we don't need complications right now. Um, right. We've got them in our favor. So nice. I think it's it's a matter of like, <clears throat> um, I think it's Seth and uh, Abacus kind of combining their knowledge, obviously Seth from like his old life of like being the son of a, a 
a very sort of prominent mercantile family kind of having this sort of knowledge. Um, uh, uh, probably that he like never really used <laughs> until he had to pretend <laughs> and fake stuff. Um, and 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 Abic is kind of either confirming or um, correcting him on on some of his assumptions and things like that. Cool. I'd say let's add another boost because Nero played a distant boss, which actually would read as real. A lot of the rogue traders would have no interest in this. Uh, and we'll add a setback because you couldn't mention any of your clients, which could mean they're very important, or it could mean you're lying and this may be a chance to steal Prometheum. Wow, it's a lot of advantages. It's two successes, six advantages. Okay. Uh, awesome. For your two successes, you clearly convinced Denai that this contract checks out. Uh, for the advantages, I will say your information and Abacus's information, in combo of your ability to do kind of low dealings and Abacus's knowledge, she actually infers several of your clients on her own and they are all kind of top tier value clients. So they, there's a lot of potential in this deal. You see her perk up immediately looking over the contract and she just says, I'm just going to uh, take a, take a copy of this. And she, with a shaky finger of excitement kind of <laughs> takes it from your slate onto her slate. And she's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And, and you have an, an astropath. Of course you do. You're all very important clients. Clearly that's there. Can I offer you one of our callers? Uh, and she takes out a, a steel blinking collar that looks kind of like a manacle with a red light beeping at its corner. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll take it from her uh, and and I'll toss it to to Warden and I'll say, <laughs> uh, our handler will hand will deal with that. And I'll just give. Yeah, him. I'll I'll just as you do that uh, without looking away from the window, just say, "Oh, adorable callers." Yeah, you know. When you have the extra resources, it's it's nice to get that personal touch, don't you agree? We we have a we have a guy for that, but uh, we'll leave it in his hands, as my associate says. But thank you, thank you for the accommodation. That's that's wonderful. I hope you have uh, equally quaint uh, treats uh, for those of us who who aren't uh, viewed as you know a, a threat as well. Chocolate might be nice, you know. That'll just draw a little heart on the window. <laughs> So is this like a, I'm guessing like psyker, like dampening collar? Uh, no, it is oh. not. Uh, Warden glanced at it. Uh, Laura, can you roll me, do you have, you have Warden's sheet, right? I do have Warden's sheet. Great. Can you roll me a, I would say I would use streetwise or perception. Uh, streetwise. They're both cunning perception? based. Oh, they're both kind of, uh, they're both the same. Um, I think I'll use perception, I think, for Warden. I think that's more his thing. Uh, it'll be difficulty two, so two purple. Okay. Um, I will say you get one boost because he's familiar with uh, things that you would put on psychers generally. Yeah. And I'll throw a setback in as well because he's not aware of the laws of this society, so he doesn't know what to anticipate. That's fair. Maybe it's just the decorative color that blinks. He doesn't know. <laughs> um. Let me if I want to upgrade. Uh, no, man. Let's just do this. <laughs> Two oh. successes, one advantage. Hey. Awesome. Um, the caller is an explosive caller, clearly designed so it could be triggered if you run or try to do something bad. Uh, I would say at this point, 
as an inquisitorial team, you've done a couple of missions. You probably have a covert way of talking even when you're in front of people. For example, uh, Inquisitor Eisenhorn's team use a language he came up with called glossia that's based on poetry. Uh, other groups might use sign language, uh, either improvised or just subtle ways of kind of engaging with their clothing. What do you think your team's way of silently communicating is? Uh, I would suggest it be something a man who can't talk can do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, I I mean, I would want it to be like a series of like, of movements. If anyone's read Lies of Locke Lamora, it's like, like their band, can't. they, yeah. they, hmm? Like Thieves Can't? Like, well, yeah, but in motions. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the way Thieves Can't, I think is supposed to be done. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> not, yeah, not, not beatboxing? <laughs> no, that was entirely our network. Um, yeah. Okay, well, why don't we say, I, I, I would be down for a mix of, of hand gesture, but also, um, I think given the amount of paranoia that Nero has, um, I would notice anyone signing to each other. Um, it makes sense for thieves to be able to just kind of be in a dark alley and sign at each other. But if I saw a bunch of people in this limo signing at each other, I'd be like, okay, uh, what's that though? So I wonder if it's a mix of like little gestures and um, I'm wondering, like I was joking earlier about drawing a heart on the window, but I wonder if it's stuff like that. Like if we've created for high society moments, like a series of like, oh, if I knock my drink over, it means X. If I draw a heart on a window, it means this, just it. so that we could do these things very publicly without, you know, it's the uh, save me from the bad date thing. Like things that we could do so publicly that no one would care and then likely yeah. have a, like a proper sign language for when we are just alone um, yeah. or in a scenario where it doesn't matter. Hmm. So Fabulous. I'll say like the the window heart, like I breathe on the window and draw the heart um, and sigh very longingly. Um, but that that's very much like a don't do that. <laughs> like no, <laughs> no. Um, but also I think I'll I'll look again to like probably to Mina and to Warden because I feel like this is beyond Nero's. Like Nero's not a a subtle guy. Uh, so I think in terms of like how how much we want to commit to the suicide squad situation. I'll just kind of give that and go back to, to leaning. Then I think warden um, needing a more advanced form of communication is actually probably the best at this. And warden can do a little bit of tapping Morse code that looks very much like just it's used. Generally he'll fiddle with an item to do it. So you've all learned to watch the rate of him touching things as he goes. Uh, Mina, I feel like you would be the one who'd probably take the most time to get to know Warden. So you're mm -hmm. probably his translator for like mm -hmm. elaborate mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. So he's looking over this ring, just kind of touching it at different places and flipping it around and saying kind of directly to you, this is an explosive caller. If we put this on her, I don't know how to get this off. Yeah, yeah. And it's up to you to relay however you do that message to the rest of the group through secret I draw a heart mm -hmm. code. And furtive glances, yes. But yeah, I think I think Mina hates this in general because in her mind, even though Piper is, you know, an abomination, she's their abomination. Mm. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of insulting and also not only not maybe not able to get the collar off, but then it might be an issue of like, do they have the controls to like set it off? So she's just going to huff and take the collar and put it on her belt and, and keep it and be like, if this is necessary, we can use it. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. You've got your own quaint customs. I appreciate you as clients. Don't, don't want to force anything upon you other than chocolates. Am I right? Chocolates. Okay. So, and here mm-hmm. we are. Uh, and you just see her take a deep breath as you, as the car pulls to a stop. Uh, and you look at it and you see you're in an area now having passed through another gate into what would be known as like the spire. The spire in a traditional hive is the highest point where the aristocrats live. Clearly at the low levels, they've just agreed the central rings are the spire. It's where there's higher value. And they'd mentioned that you were in the VIP section. So you're seeing a number of hotels, uh, kind of high class boutiques, eateries around you. It's clearly meant to cater to people from the spaceport. If you're looking at the city design, it doesn't entirely surprise you that they would set this up so that you have to go from the shipyard through the PDF section to make you, you know. Yeah, politely and vaguely threateningly aware of the planet's power. Uh, and then they actually and, uh, took PDF just to, to clarify in case anyone else planetary defense, it is planetary defense force. Yeah. Yes. Um, then kind of pitching you through a little mechanicus neighborhood that seemed very big and foundational to the VIP housing. So your mm-hmm. hotel is, is tall, but not that tall. Cause again, everything's only three or four stories. However, there's a lot of Gothic architecture. There's a lot of filigreed gold and silver. Um, you step out and find it has a massive sign over the door that just says the Bolter Express, which is the name of this particular hotel. Uh, you get the feeling the houses may control a lot of things, but apparently they don't have a lot of say on the spire businesses. It seems mm-hmm. like they're more independently run. Um, so, hey, sometimes you get places called the Bolter Express. Uh, servitors carry your gear inside. Deny walks you through the front door and is like, Bolter Express, one of our finest. Sorry about the name. It's just what we have. Sometimes people pick things and just points to a guy behind the counter who's bald and he nods very knowingly. You see all of the staff are decked out in kind of an upsetting amount of silver. It's almost like <laughs> macrame, just very shiny uniforms. However, <laughs> Dan I's servitors carry you through to a freight elevator where there's a servitor with just a skull for a head and arm and a pole as the body. And it just cranks into the fourth floor and the, you are lifted up with clanking sounds and delivered to a set of suites that are decent. Uh, it turns out you're being given the fourth floor as your own floor. Okay. Uh, the building isn't huge. So on the scale of things, this doesn't seem totally out of reason. You get a feeling that you might have had a slightly worse floor if you had not had such a convincing contract. Uh, but clearly you're getting a decent hotel and a very nice setup. So you'll each have your own rooms as well as a dedicated central room. And you have a room with comms which you could theoretically use to talk off world. There's not really a question in your mind that these are bugged. These are definitely bugged because yeah. of course they are. Uh, you know, however, that one of your suitcases is a Vox caster that you can use to directly communicate with your ship. So you don't have to go through the comms that you've been given. You have your own clandestine set that you can nice. use. Denai is standing there and says, so... So glad you're here. Uh, we've got a governor's dinner tonight because we're selecting a new governor, as you know, with the alignment. Very exciting. Uh, I'll have someone by to pick you up in a minute. Someone way more important than me now that I've seen your contract. Uh, so I'll I'll go and we'll have, be ready in about a half hour. So please take your time. Take your time. Love you. Uh, and then she just bails I'll, out. Uh, before she can get out, I will <sighs> make a big show of reaching into my pocket and pulling out uh, a bunch of crowns. And I'm just going to start counting them that way that rich people don't really know how much they're supposed to tip do. Um, and then eventually just dump kind of a fistful. So we'll say like, I don't know, 20-ish crowns into, into a fist and just be like, eh? Uh, Tom, can you roll me a, uh, let's say just a cunning at difficulty one? Sure. Uh, one second to see you get my dice roller back. Come back, dice roller. I need you. <laughs> to me, my X-Men. 
so just straight cutting? Yep. All right. And difficulty one. Let's go. Lols. Two advantage, one failure. <laughs> This is Fabius Bile reaching out to all those arch heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic lickspittles, and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods. They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty. We can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless, somehow, people go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. With enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that will never happen. <laughs> uh, it is an offensively low tip. <laughs> However, that matches because rich people are always cheap. So for her, it supports yeah. her story. Uh, even though it will not have necessarily won you any favors from deny. So she's like, Was thank not you. A, this is actually my desired result. So this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This is so a real, what's the cost of milk for me? You know, uh, what, what, $2, $5, $10. I don't know. Thank you so much. She says in her head, not feeling bad about accidentally saying, I love you anymore. <laughs> and then just closes the door uh, and leaves you where you are. So, you know, you've got a dinner to go to. Uh, odds are, I mean, realistically, you're aware you won't be allowed to bring weapons because odds of being allowed to bring weapons to a ceremony with the governor and the, the four possible replacement governors are somewhat long. We're bringing Mina. We're bringing a weapon. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can decide uh, what you want to wear. You can call the ship for more information if you want to. This is a chance to just kind of get your plans together before you go. I will say uh, for Nero, you have a gene printer. Uh, which there is a backpack version of it, but there's also a version that you can put on your wrist, kind of like a forearm uh, guard protector. It's got mm -hmm. two large gems on it, both of them rubies. You can slide those aside and actually put a genetic sample into both sides. So you can do a pre-programmed one and then drop something in. It has a small reader that just looks like a diamond. If it goes green, those samples are from the same person. If it, go, if it stays a diamond, they're not. Uh, that's yep. all you can get from there. If you use the boxier version you can actually get some more detailed genetic readouts out of them so sure. if there's some way you can get genetic samples and a baseline of a genetic sample you can test people and we have a baseline genetic sample from abacus for the governor i believe uh for his son uh, realistically son. the governor you right. know is so they, legit, the but... the person that they are, are trying to get no the insane man yeah the, crazy the insane person. heir that won't that won't be taking over okay great um i will uh as soon as the door is closed, uh, immediately, like, all sense of pomp and circumstance drops away. Um, and I'll just, like, actually, like, lean against the door in kind of like a whew um, kind of way. And I'll sign to Seth, um, essentially, like, should we sweep? 
Uh, and Seth like nods like emphatically, like, of course you idiot. Like, just like, yeah. Um. <laughs> I will stand up, walk over and pat him on the back twice. Uh, <laughs> In that vaguely aggressive way that yeah, his uh, hair like becomes unkempt just from like the jostling. And I'll <laughs> write back, of course. Uh, I've created a character who is incapable of rolling his eyes, but uh, is very much an eye rolling kind of guy. Um, uh, so I think I just hear like an goes, awful. Yeah, there we go. Great. Yeah. His whole head lolls around. Um, the Tina Fey eye roll from the rock. <laughs> If I wanted to do a sweep, I'm just looking at what I could use. Um, um, someone has an, does someone have an Auspex? I feel like someone has an Auspex. I do, I'm yeah. trying to remember who. Uh, yeah. I do as well. Wonderful. I think, Seth, you could probably team up with um, with Piper to do this kind of sweep. It feels like something you both might be able to kind of tackle together. Um, if you've got your, so the Auspex adds what? Two bonus? Two foods to, to perception. Two perception, yeah. I think what would happen is, for for the sake of this, we'll probably have Seth take the Auspex uh, and do the physical search. And Piper, you can follow up using your kind of unseen psyker senses as well. So we'll add three boost to a either perception or I would accept um, Skullduggery from you, Seth, whatever your preference is. Scrolling back up to see what I would prefer. I have a feeling it's going to be... Oh, no, Perception's cunning, too, so I'll happily take Perception with all this boost, yeah. All right, and I will say this one will be... This one will be hard. I think this would be a three difficulty, because you know what you're looking for, and it's not an elaborate space. Like, the, the Imperium, in this case, is probably like the KGB. They're all like, everyone, those bug everywhere, just leave. And then you think it's okay, but this is... Yeah. You know, you're an expert. Uh, and I have a rank in that too. So. Yeah. So this is essentially me adding like my blessed sight as yes. a gift because I'm blinded. I am. I have bionic endowed with and blessed an sight. So on my own, I'm generating three boost from that. Oh, wow. uh, what other boost am I taking? Oh, bionic eyes would just remove environmental concerns, I believe. Oh, okay. I or need to change that then. Let me double check, and then we'll just be we'll be a hundred percent sure. I don't want to rob you of your magic eyes, but I want to be sure that your magic eyes work. Well, yeah, you got to hold the picture real close to your nose, and then move it away real slow if it yeah, isn't that's working. The magic eye. That's the real yeah. magic eye. Yeah. Otherwise, how are you going to see a couple? Oh, bionic senses together. provide plus one rank in perception and remove one setback oh, due to environmental I factors. Need, I will add rank then, so that I'm not confusing myself later. Rank. There we go. Okay. Thank you. No problem. And and vigilance, it looks like. Okay. Did I get that wrong as well? Sorry, everyone is listening. We're all learning how great your eyes are, and it's important <laughs> for all of us. But yeah, I think this is, we might deal with this kind of idea of like primary and secondary checks where it's like, oh no, both skills are being used, but we'll put it into one pool so that it's... I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. The sanest for Genesis. Okay. Yeah, because I, I have like a natural senses trait. Okay. So despite my uh, lack of vision, I can perceive things that would otherwise be invisible. And that's being conferred to me as a, as a boost? Yes. Okay, so then I'm at three boost. Two with yes. the aspects, one with um, Piper's help. Um, okay, I'm ready to roll then. Let's go for it. Three successes, one advantage. Awesome. Uh, I would say you go through... You find two bugs that you would kind of anticipate. One of them, Seth, you find with the Auspex and the other Piper you locate because you can feel the intentions of the person who had placed it. It was mm. better hidden and would have got past the Auspex, but you found it behind a painting because 
the painting felt stealthy uh, through the warp. Uh, when it comes to the comm room, you're able to remove the physical items that are there. So you could theoretically send an encrypted communication or if you were to use kind of an encrypted conversational method, uh, you would be safe from low level bugs. There's still a chance that someone might be able to hack it over time, but you guys have good enough codes that would be believable enough as kind of a rogue trader or a collective representative that you could send in character messages that would be safe from immediate interception. You know, somebody yeah. might break it over three days, but they're not going to break it day of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you might want to do that if you're talking with other people on the world and don't want to blow your cover. But at this point, you are confident that you're rooms have been cleared of bugs you're not being spied upon um seth are you the kind of person who would destroy those bugs or do you would you guys put them in some kind of for lack of a better term but like a lead box where you could take them out if you wanted something to be heard later yeah. on uh seth, seth would keep them he would know that like destroying them is sending a pretty strong signal in and of itself to whoever's listening or recording um so he would just keep them Keep them handy, but make sure that they're not picking up anything that he doesn't want heard. Nice. Uh, make a note of these kind of things that you steal, because if you find the right Mechanicus contact in future, you might actually be able to convert them around and then have bugs you yourself can plant. I already have some. <laughs> nice. Well, you might have more. Yeah. <laughs> so you all have a moment to change... You can call Abacus if you want the additional information or if you want to check in about anything and then just nail down a rough game plan of what you're doing. Admittedly, you don't know what's coming up at this dinner, but you know you're going to a dinner of some kind to celebrate the beginning of this kind of governor competition. The governor games, whatever it's going to be called, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, that's one thing I want to just clarify. I don't. I want to make sure that if whether or not this is something that our team knows. This is the beginning of the electoral kind of process or is this like coming up on a dinner like for the end where like they will have the new governor like do we have a day or do we have like is this dinner kind of like kicking off the procession from what you know at this point this would be not the like coronation dinner this would right. be the beginning of this last stage of the process uh okay. that's kind of all you got from your briefing you didn't have a ton of time so again you can call abacus for more information or you can roll forwards and kind of hope okay um yeah so i think i think seth would first want to talk with everyone but then also like in the back of his head, he's kind of already made up his mind that, like, we need more intel, but he wants to talk to everyone. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I guess once we're all settled, um, Seth will invite everyone to, like, his room. Uh, if there's anything you guys want to do separately or privately, we can we can see that as well first. But Seth would basically invite everyone to his room for a, a discussion or briefing. I was going to say, if everyone wants to quote-unquote change, if you are changing into some kind of costume for this, why don't we do that now, and then we'll say there's the group meeting in Seth's room. Yeah. So we know what you dress like normally. You're welcome to still wear that as part of this party. There's not really a rule on, like, this is how a rogue trader dresses. They kind of do what they want to do, and you're high-level reps and have convinced them of that. So you'll have a little more leeway than if they thought you might be con men. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think Piper would change, because I think it's kind of... She kind of wears like her, it's like her uniform as an astropath. And cool. she's not hiding who she is here. Yeah. And Warden is, the Warden never changes. Wardens no. don't change. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Olean would be an issue again, as usual, because 
especially if they have to eat dinner and sit somewhere for a long time, it's not going to work if she's just covering up all of that. So she'd probably be sorely convinced to just wear clothes, but she still would just wear a dress. She would just wear like a black dress. So. Right. Will you wear your uh, blue cloak as well? Or are you just going yes. like little black dress, fancy lady? <laughs> no, probably take the cloak <laughs> as well so that she can just side eye from beneath the darkness. But <laughs> well, still embraced by Fleur de Lis. You know? Exactly. Can't leave nice. that behind. <laughs> um, I am going to get dressed up like a fancy fucker, uh, but under my my beloved coat. Um, so I'm talking like, uh, again, sticking with the Leo theme, uh, King Louis, uh, like full cravat, uh, just full ruffles, got my Austin Powers going on, you know, bright crimson shirt. But I'm trying, I think the kind of outfit that um, Nero would be comfortable in is one that is inherently kind of upsetting and dis- discordant because he doesn't actually have the chops to impersonate a royal beyond what he's been doing. So instead, I think he just puts on like a weirdly garish clashing outfit that makes so little sense that it must be aristocratic somewhere. And the hope being that it's just so like, it's such a weird mishmash that I was gonna be like, Oh, you're from this sector. It's just like, uh, Oh, like it's just going for that (laughs) response where you kind of go, I can't respond to this. This is too unfortunate. Um, Again, looking like he's so rich that it doesn't matter if he looks like a clown. (laughs) (laughs) So rich that he's like wearing brands that like people don't recognize. Like, well, I mean, (laughs) Must just be for rich folks. It, well, yeah, exactly. Right. Just be like, you don't know about Rarback? It's like yeah. Reebok, but rich. And everyone's the like, hell is super Gucci. <laughs> All right. It must, it must be fancy. <laughs> it's like normal Gucci, but you pay more. And I um, love I'm, it. Seth, are you going to change? What's your vibe going to be for this event? We've I noted think... technically you're bad at dealing with fancy people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rat row. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think though either way, uh, this is the cover they've established. So I think he's going to go in basically as sort of like a a, a servant to uh, to Nero. Um, so dressing, <clears throat> he'll he'll have to put away the armor, his his like uh, enforcer light carapace. Um, I think he'll keep the um, no, he won't keep the coat either because the coat looks. Uh, uh, pretty shitty. Like it's really, really weathered. Um, so he'll he'll <clears throat> open up one of the the cases that were kind of brought in that they brought down from the ship, and it's got like white gloves and like a nicely fit jacket and 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 like trousers and shoes, kind of very very um, plain. Like he's not meant to be seen, so to speak, um, but also very presentable, so that if someone must cast their eye upon him, you know, to request a drink or some other service. At least he'll look presentable, that kind of thing. Nice. So I just want to make sure that I have the colors everyone is wearing in mind. We've got our psyker and bodyguard in black. We have black and blue for the lady. We have a crazy peacock. Is it a spread of colors, Tom, or is there something that's leaning towards in the design? Uh, Well, so I'm still wearing my, like, dark gray coat over all of it, which I hope is sending the, the indication of, like, Still a rogue trader, still here for business, still need to, like, I'm still business tough guy in there. Yeah. 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 But under that, yeah, it's like, um, you know, uh, full, like, flowing Austin Powers cravat, crushed red velvet jacket. And then we'll just say, like, bright blue pants, just really assaulting the eye. 
Um, <laughs> or no, let's go with purple, like just a really loud okay. purple. So just purple and red, you know, together again. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll still wear my, my normal boots. Again, very much leaning towards the taking this as far as I can without in any way compromising my ability to run away. <laughs> Perfect. And or stand and fight, but mostly run away. And then the color <laughs> for the outfit, black butler or brown? I'm trying to remember, Tyler. Sorry. this. Uh, I didn't specify, so you're good. Um, I think uh, after something you mentioned that like red is kind of the general, generally accepted like imperial color. I think mm-hmm. this is just a red, like head to toe, red jacket, red pants, that kind of thing with like white gloves. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there are a few of you who have uh, disguised weapons. I know specifically uh, there is a disassemblable gun that you could theoretically try to bring in with you, uh, Nero, or there is the hidden truncheon of the sister. Would you be trying to bring those in under their guises or would you be leaving them here for now? Um, Nero would... Sorry, you're Seth, right? Sorry. Yeah. Admittedly, he could tell Nero what to do, and Nero would probably do it. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. And Seth, you might have something to conceal as well. I just want to give people. Yeah. That's why I was. I heard Nero. I was like, "You must be talking about me." Um, (laughs) uh, Oh, this is why, because I want to bring in neurotoxin. (laughs) My neurotoxin. Nero. Ah. Neurotoxin is like a fine scotch. uh, So how is that? What is that kept in, Tyler? Uh, Syringes. Okay, and how do you disguise those syringes on yourself? Just because I don't know this. <laughs> I hadn't um, planned for hidden syringes. <laughs> excuse me. Um, they are uh, uh, kind of, I think, on a uh, a holster um, under his, like, dress shirt that, like, sits, like, high on, like, across his chest. Um, and basically with his jacket closed and done up, you know, tight, like, like a, a butler wouldn't have like their jacket open or anything like that. So with the shirt and the jacket done up tight, you can't really see them kind of uh, stored across his, his chest. Uh, if somebody were to run a hand across them, could they feel them or do you have a way you're disguising that? Nope. Nope. They would be, they could be discovered that way. Okay, cool. Uh, let's make a note that you have two boosts to avoid them being detected, but mm-hmm. it won't actually affect somebody's detection role. Like if somebody's patting you down, mm-hmm. They okay. can theoretically discover them. Okay. And then... And I think Olean would definitely try to take hers <laughs> and right. only be prevented if someone in the party stopped her. But hers just looks like... It looks almost like a rosary. It's like a bunch of beads with like a ecclesiarchy symbol on the bottom. And she can hit people with it, but on a look, it just looks like jewelry. <laughs> and she's just wearing it all around her waist like, like it's the waist gatherer of this dress. Nice. Uh, I would definitely not take my actual stub revolver, um, but uh, Ryan, I'm happy to roll for this or just like give you some strain or something. Um, I would love to have a uh, like a Derringer or something of that ilk that is from our armory uh, back aboard uh, the Emperor's Hand that is meant to be found. Like this is the gun that I'm willing to lose. Um, It is expected that I'll have a weapon on me like probably like a knife in my boot and like a Derringer or like a small pistol. Um, but really for Nero, A, he knows he's going to get searched very, like someone's going to really give him the business. He looks like such an asshole that like, there's no way they're not going to like rough him up a little bit. But B, um, he just needs people to not pay attention to his gauntlet. So he has to have enough shit on him that they're like, 
hey, don't bring these things in and be like, okay. Um, so yeah, if I could just have like a losable gun um, that uh, hmm. from our armory, that would be ideal. Sure. Uh, you know what? Let's call that a story point. Uh, but, sure. But it yeah. Will, perfect. But it will guarantee that if they find the gun, they will not find the gene printer. So right. like, and if they don't, I can just cap a motherfucker. So either way, it's a win for old time. <laughs> but um, yeah, realistically, I just need. There's there's very few chances to just properly fuck with a rich person at events like this. One of them is when you're searching them, and one of them is when you're delivering their food, and whatever you put in it. So like, I want to make sure I'm giving them ample opportunity to feel good about that. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So you're all kind of suited up in your appropriate outfits. Yeah, and obviously, like Warden would have his weapon. Yes, like his hell pistol, uh, being with an astropath. I don't think Warden would ever surrender it. I think yeah. <laughs> it might, it probably gets taken from him at a number of places, but I don't think he like ever leaves home without it. But also yeah. like realistically, he's a defense for everyone in the room. Like, I feel like it's one of yeah. those things where there's just weirdly like an extra, like, you know, right now it's like wear a mask. It doesn't matter what, like who you are, just like wear a mask. So no COVID. And I think in this case, it's like astropath is bad for everybody if they go nuts. So just like, no one views like it's almost like viewing him as like aside from us like he's not part of the party he's just there for everyone's <laughs> right. safety <laughs> yeah then and, and you're important enough you can probably try to sell that at the door you might actually be able to get an armed warden in <laughs> like you'll have to see but there's that possibility so you're all suited cool. up you meet in seth's room seth i feels like i feel like of the four of you has the shittiest room i think this is just a given he gets the smallest kind of servants quarters version just because he's kind of a piece of shit and you all know it um, I'll uh, whistle as I come in and be like, "Nice dig, Seth. This is this is very you." Yeah, he has to use like the common room bathroom. He doesn't even have his own. The rest of you do, and there's like beautiful tubs. I've got his room has one of the maids' carts left in it for no reason. They just thought <laughs> no one would know because no one would ever bring their own servant because they'd be too important. I locked the shared bathroom door between our two rooms so that he can't get in. Uh, <laughs> You hear the hand, you hear the knob jostle, and then the sound of giving up. Yeah, and then I return to the other bathroom that's attached to my room with a smile, a little smile on my face, spring my step. Yeah, I like hotels. Right, everyone looks the part. Very good, very good. If we're going to attend this dinner, we should get more information from Abacus. We don't know the customs of this world or how best to fit in. Now, we're going to get some leeway given that we are off-worlders in our cover. But if we want to abandon that or change it on the fly, we'll need to know certain things. Now, how do we wish to approach this dinner? What's the objective? Is it intel gathering? Is it assassination of all of the uh, uh, candidates, is it? <laughs> Olian uh, perks up at that. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, camera pans to Olian. <laughs> yeah, like Seth, Seth knows these people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is it target acquisition? Uh, what is the goal tonight? Um, I think uh, Nero will also like picking up what you're putting down around Olien, just uh, kind of be like, well, I mean, obviously, you know, mass assassination is always on the table for, you know, the her heretical non-believers. Um, but uh, given that the roots of the heresy 
are here, that the, the, the taint of Horus is, is present uh, amongst these crowds. I, I do think it behooves us to kind of find out a little bit more about that before we start making moves. The new men are a, a problem, sure, but Fabius fucking Bile is a big problem, a very big problem. And I know we all like to feel safe. We all like to feel <laughs> like the heresy's done, but it's here. And it's it's happening. So I think we need to figure out who we actually need to focus on, because at the end of the day, whether the system rises or falls doesn't really matter. If if the, the heresy can regain a foothold here, that's the fucking problem. You mark my words: the second march on Terra will be worse than the first. And then I'll like kind of realize I just said that out loud, and just kind of put my hand to my mouth and kind of sink back into a chair a little bit, kind of like the nervous Kermit gif. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this isn't, you know, Nero's first outbreak for the rest of you about the fear of like a new heresy. However, yeah. I do feel like you are hearing more of these lately. Yeah. You probably hadn't heard many until there was the trip to his kind of school world and that mission. And after that, there's clearly <laughs> something that's been shaken at his core. And none of you really know why. You haven't had a chance to sit down and mm. talk about it. And clearly this is not that time. It was like that that wrapped hypnocask here. Yeah. I was kind of imagining, Ryan, that it was like that like uh Ventus Jump Avenue mission uh pirate brain insertion mission where like he didn't like really that that whole one was Piper. So I think there was a lot more time with all of us on the on the Emperor's hand where like him being kind of cagey and useless was more concerning. And then mm. hypnocast of that was just to give enough buffer zone between doing good, not doing good. Like doing good, say, doing do good. Know, why don't we space bumpy. out? I will say um, it Oleans was the first mission. Mm -hmm. Then it was school world. Then we did space pirate. And the last one was the infiltration where you would probably be the most plans within plans within conspiracies hypnotask cask here so you've had time and it's built but both of those were really intense so you didn't get a lot of like downtime yeah. to sit and chat about kind of sure, thoughts or feelings sense. so more so than being horrified by the idea of ongoing heresy which i feel like you all would have adjusted to having worked with the inquisition the fact that nero's a little bit shaken is starting to kind of add up Again, not here, but probably Olean. This might be something that you've taken on yourself as the person who like cares for the rest of the team. Like, oh, downtime might need to deal with Nero at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also think I've quietly asked Olean multiple times, like weird religious questions okay. that are brand new, kind of like, so hey, like you. He, he he hears your prayers, right? Can you just make sure he he knows we're doing this? Yeah, okay, great, thanks. And they're just like wandering off into the night. So yeah, and say, she she would take that very very seriously and legit be like up all night sometimes when they have extra time, being like, <laughs> dear dear Lord Emperor, God of mankind, uh, one of your sons is suffering. Please please look out for him. Bless him. Also, ask him about the heresy. Also, through the door. Also, please burn all the heretics. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I like that we've established uh, the one question I have is Piper, are you religious in the sense because I think mm. Seth clearly isn't. <laughs> Whereas Nero <laughs> Nero believes he is not allowed to be religious, but the religion is real. 
Um, like he don't pray, but he'd like to be prayed for. Where does Piper fall on the religion? Uh, Piper is religious in the sense that she doesn't need faith because she is soul bonded to the emperor and knows it is all true. So would Piper be a person who prays or does Piper just believe? Uh, Piper knows. Okay, so, so so if the sister is holding, we could say like a weekly service for the inquisitorial band. Piper would attend, but be like weirdly statements about what the emperor <laughs> believes, or uh, not that. I think it's more just like um, I, I think she just thinks that like oh th- they all believe they all ask the emperor. He obviously doesn't answer them directly, but their faith is important, and that's that's healthy for them. So there's there's a slight I think she has a a slight distance from them, but I, I think uh, any ceremony that would uh, go around she she would be in she would be very supportive of because she understands how important it is for the emperor to know um, how how faithful everyone is <laughs> to <Nice>. him. <laughs> There's something kind of delightful to the idea of like, I'm an extension of it. So I'll show up and be kind of bored. Like, "Eh, yeah, yeah, obviously like, okay. Yeah. uh, Yes, of course. You know, it's kind of everything is like, yes. (laughs) I think I just take as a, as a given everything that they hope for and and pray for. Yeah. This, this gives us a nice collective vibe, but I think Mm -hmm. Oleanne explains a lot of her relationships where it's like Seth doesn't believe at all. Piper is supportive in a nice way. And Nero is like confused and asking questions. I think uh, Oleanne especially would be like, she has basically given up on him at this point, but still tries every once in a while, like, like a terrible religious person to be like, maybe (laughs) you should, maybe you should. And especially with this room, she's definitely going to, to look around and, and be like, Having too rich of things is bad for your soul. So being in a place like this is wonderful penance. I'm jealous. <laughs> I, I think Seth says to no one in particular, and everyone, all of you know, is like, 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 I have shit in better rooms than you have ever seen in your entire lives. And Warden just silently picks up the Vox caster and just puts it on the table between all of you and, and turns it to the Seth, ship level. Seth like hates the button. Like he's like done with his like punctuating like your entire lives and just it's it's a, like the call for um for Abacus. Yes, this is this is Abacus Flint. Can I can I help you? A inquisitorial band receiving. I mean received from. What do you need? Has Seth ever shit in a better room than a high-class hotel, do you think? I mean, before he was arrested for heresy, I'm pretty sure he stayed in many fine rooms uh, alongside his father, uh, that that kind of thing. All right. Uh, And I literally, like, just punch you in the shoulder and say, looks like I owe you an abseck. Jostled and hair askew again, kind of have to like <laughs> slick it back every time. Every time Nero makes physical contact with Seth, it is jarring and jostling. Um, <laughs> oh, and look where you have gotten yourself now. <laughs> uh, and Seth, uh, keen to like get on with the mission, uh, kind of leaves that one uh, and 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 just says, uh, uh, "Right, Abacus." We need more information on 
the customs uh, surrounding this gubernatorial process. There's a dinner tonight, uh, not celebrating the coronation, but nearing the end of this process. Uh, what can we expect? Yes. Uh, here's the rules we're going to use for Abacus on these kind of calls. You get to ask him one big question and <laughs> then we'll roll die based on his pool. So Tyler, because you're the person asking, I will have you roll. Yeah. Uh, he will roll one green and three yellow uh, because he is a very knowledgeable fellow when it comes to just general knowledge. Um, also in future, if you guys are doing research, one of you can kind of trade your skills and be like, I'll be the one to talk to Abacus and then mm -hmm. be able to kind of step into knowledge that you four might not have. Uh, I'm going to say for the, do you want to know about the dinner specifically, or do you want to know about the general gubernatorial process? Probably more beneficial to know about the general process, but like, how does that sound to everyone else? Yeah, uh, yeah totally. agree. Okay. Okay. We can um, flunk I'm, our way through the dinner, but we need, well, hopefully, <laughs> like, well, but I mean, to your, to your earlier point that I think is absolutely true. If we at any point want to switch tactics, we need to know more about the customs of the world. Everything else, like, easy enough to just have Nero, like, fumble through culture and have everyone else correct him. But beyond that, we're kind of pooched. So, yeah, let's let's get more, more facts. Cool. Let's say it is a, I'm going to say it's an average difficulty, just two purple. Uh, and I'm going to add two setback because things have been changed for this time around uh, in ways that were mm. not predicted and kind of mm. sweeping. But I'll give you a boost because I think he's already been looking into this, so it's not requiring a deeper dive. Okay. The role is more because it's what did he look at before this call. It's not like mm. you can sit on this call for a, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling. Wow. All those dice, just one success is the is the result. Everything else got canceled out. Okay. Here's what, here's what I know about the, the process. So there's a former governor, and then during the alignment, they basically settled for – traditionally, these things are a, a patrilineal line, just the father and then the, the eldest son becomes the governor, continues. However, it appears that uh, the Cologne family, uh, their line is failing. Also, it's spelled colon. I think they're trying to keep it fancy, but it's Cologne is how they, they officially pronounce it. Uh, it appears that because they're failing, they've actually spread out and opened up a new idea, which is the, the merit adoption, which is they essentially have chosen each house has put forward a champion uh, who is going to compete to be the adopted heir and then take over after the next it looks like you've got about three days after this. So there's going to be three big events from what I can see from the betting pools that are going on from the live feeds that I can get from around uh, this hive and from the other planets. Uh, it looks like the first day, uh, which is tomorrow, is going to be gladiatorial combat from some group of champions for each representative. Uh, the second day is some kind of heist a competitive heist maybe everyone's stealing the same thing and they're releasing teams at the same time that's my best guess uh and then the third day is some kind of race only it appears that each faction is able to send a team of they're using the term bodyguards but it seems like they may just be able to kill the other runners i'm not sure there's a champion from each of the houses where the merit adoptees that are coming in and then technically uh, the governor's son, Graswald Cologne, uh, is also competing, but their house is basically in ruin and they have no money. So everyone knows he can't win. Even if he wins all four competitions, they'll end up choosing someone else because he can't keep the system running. So he's kind of 
a technicality at this point. Um, the dinner tonight seems to just be a chance for everyone to look fancy in front of each other and seem important. There's going to be some kind of speech from each of the three of them that'll likely be brief. It's more useful for all of you, my guess would be, to A, see who you're dealing with. B, you could try to get a gene sample, perhaps, from uh, Graswald Cologne and see if he's who he's supposed to be. Uh, and if you need to make connections, we need baselines for the other three houses for you to be able to print their genes. There's kind of two options you might be able to play with from what I could see of the, the world setup. Uh, there are the Adeptus Arbites. They probably got some kind of genetic mm. line for the families. Again, you really only need the family line to be able to prove they're a relative. If Fabius Bile made them, they're probably going to show up as barely human. Uh, mm. Or there is... Uh, the Magos biologist of the Adeptus Mechanicus. The, the, he should be attending, actually. Uh, he's known as Second Magos Ignatius Ironforth. Uh, he is the second in command for all of the Mechanicus on uh, what, what is it? Inanis Umbra. Uh, he'll probably be at the dinner, and I'll be surprised, but the Arbites are probably attending as well. I, I would not be surprised if you're looking at the, the Marshal is Valda Decimus, and the vice marshal is Chasener Bocatan. <laughs> so you might be able to either make friends with the Arbites or the Mechanicus to get yourselves some baseline genetics for, for the other house leaders. Uh, as you know, you've got the Rosettes. You could always say, hey, we're the Inquisition, but that's kind of a card you can't unplay. So be careful who you do that with. It's kind of the law of diminishing returns when we don't actually have an army. Right. Right. Very good, then. So, reconnaissance tonight, then. Uh, and, and he'll look pointedly at uh, Olean and say, no killing. As well, best can be managed. Exactly. Well, if I need to step in, then I will. But we'll play our games for now. Right. Well, this... This conversation sounds like it's kind of moving beyond my expertise, so I think I'll let you guys go. Uh, if you need anything else, let me know. I'm going to keep looking into the system. Uh, and you hear his Vox disconnect from the distance, but your Vox is still on, and instead of going silent, you just hear a child's laughter filtering through it in that kind of haunting, off-balance way. And there are just echoes of laughter and then crying and then applause all kind of coming through the Vox. And you hear a chorus of voices just say, young Count Kornos, the one-eyed knight, the one-eyed knight, y -y -y young Count Kornos, the one-eyed knight, creatures lunged for, darkness fight. Uh, and you just hear a scream and your Vox caster cuts out. Uh, I was going to say, it cuts out uh, because of the bullet I put through it. <laughs> um, I empty this tiny garbage revolver into that thing. The second... We start to hear, I'll probably stay for one full chorus, hmm. uh, but the gun was already out and trembling, but it was a real like, tell me I'm not a cop. I'm a cop. Tell me you're not a cop. I'm a cop kind of moment. Um, and I will literally just blast this fucking thing, like both hands on the gun, kind of useless for aiming, um, but literally I just blow blow it away um, unless anyone it stops me. Because also I'm not really going to be able to put up any fight here, but no, man, Nero's, Nero's not down with that. He's not going to fuck with that. Yeah, uh, Olian will step in only after he's shot and like step next to him and put her hands like on his hands and kind of push the gun down so that he's not like aiming further into the room and, and be like, um, please, are you all right? 
Um, and uh, I'll just uh, turn and uh, smile very brightly uh, and just say, uh, yeah, I am now, as you hear the continued click of my empty gun that I'm still pulling the trigger on. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter as Interrogator Nero Abignale, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Piper Fairley, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Seth Corbin, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter as Sister Olian Mina, and our Game Master Ryan Laplante at the Ryan Laplante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Good evening, and welcome to Strange Air. I am your host, Malcolm Smith, and I'll be here for the next four hours taking your calls as we explore the outer regions of reality. Ten years ago, Malcolm Smith vanished from the face of the earth. One moment, he was on the air in the middle of a sentence, and the next moment, he was gone. People will believe anything. So, what do you think happened? I believe your father staged the whole thing. I believe your daddy was taken. Do you believe in miracles? I guess people believe what they want to believe. I believe I'll have a little more wine. It's time you heard the truth about your father! You're completely insane. Did someone hit you? Leave me alone! What's going on? I'm going to find my father. Strange Air. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit strangeairpodcast.com for more information.